שיעור מספר 193, יוסף אנסר המשקיעים, The Limits of Human Involvement in the Redemptive Process, הרב יאיר כאן. Okay, before we begin, um, I have an announcement from uh, Mr. Abriyut. Uh, is everybody here vaccinated? Okay, and now let's begin. Why? The, the question of perfect faith and man being passive because he believes in God, on the one hand, and man taking action, which might indicate a lack of faith, is the issue, the philosophical issue that's going to lie at the root of this year. Does perfect faith demand that we simply trust God? And if we trust God, that means that we shouldn't do anything proactive. If God destined that we should be ill, we'll be ill. We don't have to vaccinate. If God destined that he'll protect us, he'll protect us. Why should we take a vaccination? On the other hand, perhaps, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to be proactive. And he gave us the intelligence to discover vaccinations and medicine. And he wants man to be part of that, of that action. And therefore, if we don't vaccinate, then we're doing something stupid. And that's not what God wants us to be. God wants us to be intelligent, to do the right thing, to take control of our faith, and therefore to vaccinate. Now, the question is, you know, if we look at Torah, if we look at exegesis, parshanut, in a pure world, we should be coming to conclusions regarding philosophical issues with a Torah clean mind, simply looking at the Torah, I don't know why you, why you can't hear. Simply looking at the Torah. Is it okay now? You're vaccinated, right? Okay. <laughs> it's okay now? You can hear? Can everybody hear? Yes? Okay. In a pure world, we should be looking at the Torah with a total clean mind, without any preconceived notions, not influenced by outside sources, and to try to discover whether the Torah tells us to take one position or the other position. The problem is that it's impossible to be in a pure world. Man lives within a certain context, he has certain, there are, there are leanings and influences. And the Torah was given to man, who has those influences, so it's, imper- it's impossible to approach Torah totally with a clean frame of reference without any leanings. And therefore, the whole idea of giving Torah to man is in order for man to take his intelligence in the place where he is and his understanding and to apply that and try to understand the Torah. Nevertheless, there are places where it would appear that certain ideas in the Torah or certain ways in which the Mepharshim explain those ideas might run counter to what we feel is the right way and then we're in a dilemma. Now, what we're going to do is discuss one particular case, a case that uh, a, a parish of Rashi that told me for years, uh, which really lies at the root of the question that I asked before. Uh, do we go to doctors or do we say Tehillim? Do we say Misha Berech or do we vaccinate? 
what should we be doing? Um, it, it also goes to the roots of religious Zionism. When you talk about Zionism, you begin with secular Zionism, which says we don't wait for Mashiach anymore, we don't pray to God, we're going to take our destiny into our own hands. And we're going to solve the problem of anti-Semitism, that's a result of the exile, and we're going to do whatever we can to go back to Eretz Yisrael. The response of non-religious Zionism is really an attack on that whole approach. We do believe in God. We will wait for Mashiach. With an underline on the world, we will wait. We will wait, we will pray, we'll do mitzvahs. If we want to bring the Geula, it's not by having conferences and putting pressure on world leaders. It's by doing tshuva and masim tovim and praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in fact, if you take a look at source number three, the Gemara in Ksuvos, which is one of the main sources of, of the Satma rejection of religious Zionism, it's a Gemara in that talks about three oaths that, that were taken. Well, I'm going to point out two of them. Gimel Shavuot, Achat Shelo Ya'alu Yisrael B'choma, one that the Jewish people after, post Galus should not return to, to Israel by force. We shouldn't go against the Umot Olam, the other nations. We should be passive, we should wait. And God will, will bring us the, the redemption. I'm not going to discuss right now the ways to answer this Gemara. That's not my issue. But that there's an ideology of Satmar. The ideology of Satmar is that pure faith is waiting for God. And to try to take things, actions into your own hands is a lack of that pure faith. I just brought a, a section here from uh, Seahurst Kalisher, source number four. There are many things that can be found, but I took one. Don't think that the way that redemption is going to come is that all of a sudden God will come down from the heavens and tell the Jews to go back to, to, to Israel. Suddenly somebody will appear and then all of a sudden blow a great trumpet and there'll be a fire, a wall of fire around and then he continues the words of the prophets will be fulfilled what is Achritayamim begins now. This is what Rav Sihar Shkalsha said, one of the founders of religious Zionism. Religious, he said, Achritayamim, the end of days, begins now. It will happen eventually through normal geopolitical actions. Israel will come piece by piece. La'at la'at Karen Yeshua. Rosihar Kalsher was not rejecting God, but he felt that the way in which the redemption will come is through human action. And that human action is legitimate because God turns to man and says, man, I want you to be proactive. And therefore, being proactive is not a rejection of God, but it's actually fulfillment of the divine plan. Let's go back to Yosef and the Sarah Mashkim. 
The uh, difficulty begins with the Pasuk after Yosef interprets the dreams of the Sarah Ophim and Sarah Mashkim, and he tells the Sarah Mashkim, You will be taken back to Paro. So he says, Kim Zichatani, you should remember me to Paro so that I'll be taken out of jail, out of prison. And then the Pasuk says, Velo Zachar Sarah Mashkim et Yosef Vayishkachayu. And the obvious difficulty is the repetition, the unnecessary repetition. If you don't remember, you forgot. Why does it have to say you didn't remember and also you forgot? So take a look at Rashi, source number one. He didn't remember that day, and then also later he forgot him. Since Yosef made himself dependent on the Sarah Mashkim, the next passage is He had to wait another two years. He was punished. And he had to wait another two years till he was freed. You should put your faith in God. And Rashi interprets You shouldn't go trust and put your faith and try to tell the Salamashkim, who's an Egyptian, to take you out. Put faith in God. Now, there are two ways of understanding why Yosef is being punished, at least two ways at this point. One, because he lacked faith in God. And he trusted only the Salamashkim, and he didn't put his faith in God. That position, I think, is difficult. One of the things that we see Yosef does over and over again is an extreme faith in God. When he interpreted the dreams of the Sarofim Sarabashkim, he saw that they were beside themselves. He said, Kilokim Pitonim. Tell me your dreams. God has interpretations of dreams. Tell me your dreams. Maybe I can help to understand what God wants from you. It's clear that, that Yosef is a man of faith. And to say that all of a sudden he didn't put trust in Akarish Baruch anymore, I think is a very, very difficult position to take. And uh, Rabbeinu Bachya, in source number four, picked up on this problem. Baal Yachshova Choshev, I'm sorry, wrong. V'chas v'shalom, source number two. V'chas v'shalom she'itlei Yosef atzadik b'tchono b'sara mashkim, rak b'ashem levado. Yosef had faith in God. Avol ha'ita kavrato sh'ashem yitalei hizmin elav sara mashkim, k'day she'aselom reseyado. He, he felt that the reason that all of a sudden this chance occurs to happen, and all of a sudden in his cell there's this Sarah Maskim who has this dream, and he's going to be freed, and he's going to go back to Paro, there must be a reason. God wants me to ask the Sarah Maskim to help. Kimine Yadua, it's common knowledge, that how will the righteous be freed? By, by events. Not by miracles, by events. And here, this is the event. This is the opportunity. Why was Yosef punished? For another two years. He should have been passive. He shouldn't have done anything. Yes, he was right. The Saramashkin was put there. He had his dream in order that he should hear Yosef that he's an interpreter of dreams. And he should go back to Paro, and Yosef should be taken out. Yosef should have just been passive, not done anything. 
So here, here's the issue. What's wrong if Yosef does believe in God to take action? Is that a problem? What's wrong if you believe in God, you're sick, you say Tehillim, you say Mishaberach, and you also go to a doctor? What's wrong? Was, is there any pagam in also being active? Is Rashi coming against any human action and saying that it's a lack of pure faith? Pure faith demands that man sit back and just wait for God and do nothing. That's the root of the philosophical dilemma that we're dealing with. What I want to do is reread the Yosef story and maybe get a different insight into the story which will help us to understand what might be the problem that Rashi and Midrashi Chazal are dealing with. Let's go back to the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story, Yosef has his dreams. He tells the dreams to the brothers. And uh, how are we supposed to understand dreams? How did Yaakov understand the dream? When Yaakov heard the dream, what did Yaakov say? First of all, he reprimanded Yosef. Take a look at... uh, What's the stream that you had? Uh, like the beginning of Ayeshev. What's the stream that you had? And what is Yaakov saying when he says, what is the stream that you had? He knows that he had the dream. So the Ramban points out that the question is, what's the significance of the dream? Source number five. Was it something that's worth telling other people about? It's nonsense. Oh, perhaps. No, it's only a dream. Don't not get carried away. You had a dream. Okay, you had a dream. Oh, what is Ramban saying? That Yaakov Avinu was a psychologist. What you dream of at night is what you're thinking about in the day. You're a spoiled brat. You think that you are better than all your brothers. And therefore you're having these dreams. In other words, is the dream by is 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 it necessary to say that a dream is some kind of divine revelation, or is it possible that a dream are a result of what a person thinks? That's what the Ramban puts into the mouth of Yaakov. What are you thinking? There's a uh, very nice pasuk. In Yeshayahu uh, Chavtes Ches, Vayakasher Yachalom Haraev Vine Ochel Veikisrei Kanavsho. Somebody who's starving, he dreams of food, and then he wakes up and he's hungry. In other words, Yeshayahu also knew that dreams can be a result of a state of mind. So dreams are not necessarily indication of some kind of divine revelation. On the other hand, the Pasuk continues, 
ואביו שמר את הדבר. יעקב recognized that perhaps it might be a dream that has significance. יעקב himself had a dream which was very very important for him when he was running away from Esav, the dream of the latter. So dreams might be an indication of something divine, but it might be an indication of a state of mind. Yaakov was ambivalent. What did Yosef think about the dream? I think that's obvious. Yosef was convinced this was a sign from heaven. I think it's a little bit stronger than that. Uh, Yosef, I mean, why did Yosef tell the dream to his brothers? Okay, he had a dream, he knows he's destined to rule over his brothers. Why did he tell it to his brothers? Okay, we already established he's a spoiled brat. Why did he tell the dream to his brothers? We'll see later on there's a Ramban that says not only did Yosef believe that this was a divine sign, Yosef was proactive in trying to make sure that the dream would reach its, its fruition. That the dream would be fulfilled. He tried to act to make sure that that dream would come true. Now, he won't be able to rule his brothers unless he tells them that he had this dream. But more so. There's a very, very strange story when, when Yosef goes to find his brothers. Yaakov sends him, go, go see how your brothers are. To go to Shechem. He goes to Shechem. He doesn't find his brothers. Right? And he finds a person who says, Why are you wandering here? And then the person says, Oh, your brothers went to Dotan. And then Yosef continues on to Dotan. Why is that story so important? That story of going to Shechem, not finding them in Shechem, meeting this person, random person, who obviously is planted by God, and then going to, to Dotan. Why is that so important? Let me ask you another question. Wasn't Yosef aware that his brothers hated him? Was he, was, he, was he not able to see that? They couldn't even speak to him. I'm sure there was yelling in the house of Yaakov all the time. We know what siblings are. Now they left. They went away. So I'm sure he didn't think they would try to kill him. But a few punches, you know, I'm sure would, weren't beyond the possibility. Was he, was he nervous when he went? He didn't only go to Dotan. He went draped in his Ketonet Pasim. Showing his superiority over his brothers. Now I think the story of going to Shechem and not finding them. And then going on to Dotan. If he wanted to, if it was only to fulfill the wishes of his father. He could have said, you know what? I went to Shechem, they're not there, come back. He went on, not because he was, he was trying to fulfill the wish of his fathers. There's a, there's a beautiful Al-Sheikh, source number six. Abnam Yosef Gam ki yada ki bilvavam. He knew his brothers hated him. Ruach acheret imo. Omer blibo mi yoridein aretz. Hashem he'elani gam ala alachi. God, through my dreams, made me superior to all my brothers. I'm not worried about what they think of me. I'm not worried that they hate me. It doesn't bother me at all. God made me superior over them. Kiko her ani Hashem. That's what God showed me, the vision. 
והנה אנחנו מעלמים עלומים בתוך השדה, וישתחוו עלומתם למלואתי, and their bundles bow down to mine. And therefore, ואין זה, כי אם אלחל לי עצי השדה, I have to go to the fields. Where did that dream occur? In the fields. And therefore, I have to go meet my brothers in the field so that they will bow down to me. He continues on to Dotan. Even though his father didn't demand that he go to Dotan, he wasn't worried about anything because I'm going to go there because that's going to be the fulfillment of my dream. Vimkain, a foe, lama irava shabiti. Why should I fear? God is with me. Ha'im yuchlu heim levatel sha'ash omeritli me'oto yitbarach. This is the moment we've been waiting for. I'll go to the field, I'll meet them, they'll bow down to me. They can't do anything about it. It was, it's in the stars. Al-Kain Tchilat Dvar HaMalach, the person he meets, according to the Al-Sheikh, is a divine angel, a messenger. Hayal Asir To'em Libo, Ba Yiftach B'Chalamo. You shouldn't have such absolute faith in your dreams. Kigam im Yeze Pitono, even assuming that this is the interpretation, lo timna bechiratam, here's something interesting, nevertheless it doesn't take away bechirachavshis, we're not going to discuss that. Va'ayiftach mishenet kane ratzutz, ha'u bechalomo, umagam, this is the thing that's critical for me, ki ein ze pitron chalomo ha'u kimedubar, you have no idea how to interpret this dream. The person found him, the, the angel found him. He says, why do you say basade? It should be bisadeh. Basadeh is basadeh hayadua. In that sadeh, in the given sadeh, in the known sadeh. What's the known sadeh? He says, It's the dream. You are misinterpreting your dream. You don't know what it means. A little bit more humility. You don't understand your dream. In that sadeh of your dreams, you are misinterpreting. So I think the Al Shaykh's interpretation is brilliant. I don't know if it's pshat. But there is this indication that, that Yosef is really very, very sure of himself. Because he's, he's coming armed with his dream. And he's not worried about anything. And if he wanted to, he could have turned back. And he goes on. What the Al-Sheikh adds is that he goes on because he wants to proactively create the situation whereby his dream is fulfilled. That's a very, very important theme, which we'll get back to. What did the brothers think about the dream? Did they believe that it was a divine sign? He comes, The dreamer, the dreamer came. What do they think about the dreams? The simple explanation is they thought it was just the dreams of a spoiled brat. A very annoying, spoiled brat. The Ramban notes that interpretation. 
Source number seven. Let's see, we'll throw him into a bar, we'll kill him, and we'll see what, what will happen to his dreams. It's derision. If we kill him, let's see whether the dreams will be fulfilled. A second interpretation. It's a test. In other words, we don't know. Just like Yaakov didn't know was ambivalent, is it a real dream or is it a fake? They, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll throw him into a ball, we'll kill him, and if somehow he gets out of it, then we'll know it was a real dream. It's a test. And then he has Avarabotenu Pirshu, he has a medrash that is Ruach HaKodesh. It's not the brothers saying it, even if they said it, but we hear the echo of Ruach HaKodesh says, we'll see. You say it won't happen, I say it will happen. We'll see what, what will happen. Okay, in any case, it's clear that the brothers don't give much stock into these dreams. They think it's just a problem of the state of mind. It's not anything divine. And they really, really hate Yosef. They take him, they strip him of his Ketona Pasim, which is very, very symbolic, you know, the thing that gives him a certain amount of superiority over his brothers. They throw him into a bar. What happens to Yosef? Is he still full of confidence, burning of confidence, and saying, I don't care, I'm not worried, God will help me? Or was this a little bit of a shock, and all of a sudden, he takes a step back? There's a Pasuk Perak Membet Pasuk Chafalif that the brothers later on when they come down during the years of famine they say Vayomru Ishalachiv Aval Ashemim Arachnu We're guilty we heard him cry out and we didn't listen. We turned a deaf ear when he was crying out. In other words, although nothing is said in Parashat Vayeshev, Yosef starts pleading for his life. He's not so sure of himself anymore. He was stripped of his uniform of superiority, thrown in the bar, He's, he's not confident anymore, loses his security, cries out. He's not so sure. Was it a real dream? Was it divine? Maybe not. All of a sudden, his confidence clearly is shaken. When he's sold, instead of being killed and he's sold and he, into slavery and he goes down to to Egypt, what he thinks during these years or during, during those months, I don't know. I don't know. But there's no doubt that, I mean, not no doubt, but what happens when he all of a sudden, in the cell, hears the dream of the Sarah Ophim and the Sarah Mashkim. And this is really the point of the story where he asked the Sarah Mashkim to remember him and according to Rashi and the Medrash, he made the mistake. And there are two possibilities. One possibility is he gave up on his dreams. He has no idea whether or if 
they will ever be fulfilled or whether there was a real divine sign. No more confidence. And now there's simply opportunity to get out of jail and to come back and to crawl back to his family. And if that's the case, I, ha- I, I would see no problem at all with his trying to use whatever means in his ability to try to get out. But there's another possibility which I want to try to, to claim that when all of a sudden he heard the dream of the Saramashkin, his, all of a sudden he realized that there's a possibility that his dreams will be fulfilled. All of a sudden he realized, he heard a dream. Now dreams are very, very important. Now there's a, you know, dreams are also interconnected because they're a sign of, of, of an indication of what will be in the future, of, of destiny. And the dream of the Saramaskim fits in all of a sudden with, with his dreams. All of a sudden there's a, there's a road back. Why was Saramaskim placed here? Why did he have this dream? Why did he tell me this dream? It's interesting the term that, that Yosef uses when he tells about Samashkim, ki im zechartani, as if, it's, as if it's, it's a condition. I'm explaining to you the dream, you will get out, you will go back to Paro, ki im zechartani, as if it's, as, as if it's you know, dependent on that, you will remind or tell Paro about me. I would like to suggest that at this point, maybe beforehand also, but at this point, Yosef once again, all of a sudden sees that the road to fulfilling his dream is open. Gunav Ganafti, I was stolen, I was sold into slavery, and here is my ticket to freedom. The, Mas- the Sarah Mashkim is my ticket out, out of Egypt and back to Eretz Canaan. And once I get back to Eretz Canaan, I will be able to fulfill the dreams. Even if we accept the Ramban, that the brothers didn't know, if somehow he manages to get back after all that they had done, even the brothers will realize that it was a real dream. But what happens? He's forgotten for two years. It doesn't work. What does this tell Yosef? Again, a misinterpretation of dreams. My main question is, at this point, does he believe in his dream, or did he stop believing in his dream? That's a critical question. It depends on a number of different things. I'll, uh, the Ramban, in general, felt that even at this point, the Ramban, the, the Yosef is trying to, once he rises, and he, two years later, and he's taken out of the bar, he attempts at having his dream fulfilled. He believes in his dream. Uh, I think that according to the Ramban, when he was taken out and he's in the presence of Paro, and he interprets the dream, and he says, what you have to do is appoint Ish Navon Vecham, an intelligent person, a person of, of, of insightful intelligence, and appoint him over Egypt, and he will save Egypt. During the years of plenty, he will gather all the food, and that will save Egypt also during the years of, of famine. And then, Paro's response is, once you've told me all this, 
You are that Ishnavon Vachacham. And then, and then at this point, Yosef is appointed as the viceroy of Egypt. According to Ramban, this was planned by Yosef. By saying, appoint an Ishnavon Vachacham, it was a way of hinting that you should appoint me. That's the way the Ramban interprets it. And I think, again, according to Ramban, he feels that this is the ticket to fulfilling his dream, not the way he thought originally. It'll come differently. I will become a leader in Egypt, and somehow, eventually, that will bring the dreams to fruition. I'm not sure I accept that reading, and I'll explain to you why. First of all, the election of Yosef to this position was, I think, the most... Uh, unexpected uh, possibility. Egyptians did not like Ivrim. They couldn't eat with Ivrim. Here was an Evid Ivri who was accused of attempted rape of an Egyptian minister. So, okay, he interprets dreams. He should become royalty in Egypt. He never claimed he was an Ishnavon Vachacham. He claimed that he had some divine insights. He said, let's take a look at the Pasuk. He said, basically, God is showing you things. He presents himself as being somebody who, who is able to understand God's will. And Paro says, It's a person of spiritual qualities, not necessarily intelligence. Then, Since you understand God's will, You are that intelligent person that should lead Egypt. He indicated, he showed himself as being somebody of religious value, not somebody of intelligent value. And nevertheless, despite that, even though you present yourself as somebody of religious insight, you will be appointed because Now, the Medrash source number eight is the Ramban that I pointed out before. Amar Yosef calls Zeba Vorshev Cherubo, Kiachacham Eno Brosho. And it was a way of getting power to appoint him. Well, according to Medrash Tilim, Kevin Shabikesh Paul Amlichet Yosef, Amru Kosat Timshalo, Yesh Evid Melech, it was an absurd choice. So to plan it wasn't so simple. There are other indications we don't have the time right for right now. But the, my main point is at this point, did Yosef really try to fulfill his dreams or did Yosef forget? What did he call his two children? What were their names? Menashe and Ephraim. Why Menashe? Kinashani, God help me forget all my troubles. Ephraim, Kiefani Hashem Okay, God help me forget all my troubles. Ve'ed Beit Avi. God help me forget my, 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 my family, my troubles. I forgot them. Of course, if you name your son Menashe because you forgot, it means you didn't forget. But it means that you want to forget. 
Everything is perfect here, it's wonderful. But he not, nevertheless he calls it Eretz Yi. So this, there's this ambivalence. But is he trying to get back to Eretz Canaan and to rule over his brothers? Or is he trying to forget? He was, he was almost killed by his brothers, sold into slavery. It was traumatic. Does he want to forget that? Or does he want to go back there? Was Kinashan Elokim et Kol Is he trying to fulfill his dreams or is he trying to forget? I think it's clear that at this point he's trying to forget. And also the, the road back to Eretz Canaan, once he's appointed viceroy, is closed. He can't go back to Eretz Canaan because he has a job in Egypt. When does all this change? It changes when around eight, nine years later there's a famine in the, in the entire Mesopotamia and the brothers come to Egypt. Perak Mambet Pasuk Pasuk Tet Right? The brothers come and then uh, a little bit before that it says Vayavo Ache Yosef Pasuk Vav Vayishtach Vlopayim Arts They bow down to him he recognized them, they didn't recognize him. He started being difficult with them. They didn't recognize him. Now all of a sudden he remembers. If he remembered now, till now he forgot. Now all of a sudden the memory of his dreams are rekindled. Now all of a sudden he sees clearly how it's all going to be fulfilled. Now, at this point, when the brothers come down to Egypt, all of a sudden he sees, now he interprets the dream correctly. They come down to Egypt, they bow down to him, he remembers the dreams, and now all of a sudden it's all clear. Till now it wasn't at all. Kinashani, God help me forget, but now all of a sudden it's clear what his destiny is. What does Yosef do at this point? According to the Ramban, what he does, or the Ramban asks a question, why didn't he, when he was a ruler in Egypt, why didn't he send a messenger to his father and say, Dad, I'm okay. I'll come back in another 14 years. And the Rabban's answer is that Yosef realized that he hadn't yet fulfilled his dreams and that he had to ensure that those dreams would be fulfilled. So he allowed his father to remain in a state of despair and bereavement because if he would reveal himself to his father, the dreams would not be able to be fulfilled. That's the position of the Ramban. The Akedat Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak Rama, 
argues on the Ramban. Source number 12. V'timheini mimasha katav Ramban shasa kadeshi itkaimu chalamotav ki ma to'elet lo shitkaimu va'av ki yet to'elet lo ayalu lachto k'neged aviv Can man further the divine plan? Should Yosef be proactive in in, the, in trying to make the divine plan come true. Furthermore, is that a good excuse for having his father remain in despair? What's beyond, what's, what lies at the root of the Akedat Yitzhak's argument is a famous Gemara in Brachos, source number 13, which talks about a, a uh, meeting of Yeshayahu Navi in Chizkiah HaMelech. Bayem Mahem Chalach Lamut Write a will, you're going to die. That's what Yishayahu t- tells Chizkiah, when he's sick, you're going to die. You're going to die in this world. Not only Chizkiah, one of the best kings, not only will die in this world, you're not going to have the next world either. What, 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 what's going on? What did I do so terrible? You didn't, uh, you didn't do a mitzvah. You don't have children. I know who my children will be. They'll be terrible kings. I don't want to have those children. They're going to destroy Israel. Why are you involving yourself in the hidden plans of God? You do your mitzvahs. That's your job. And God will do his, his job. In other words, there is a limit to human involvement. There are things that are godly and man does not get involved in. And there are things that are human and man does, does get involved in. You know, so if you saw Baruch HaKodesh, these are to be your children, and that's what Jewish destiny, that's what it's supposed to be. So by not choosing, you're going to change Jewish destiny? It's not your job. You do what man is supposed to do. What you're supposed to do is have children. God will do what he's supposed to do. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says it very nicely. Source number 13, of the Ramban, I'm nothing compared to the Ramban. Is it a mitzvah to push forward the fulfillment of dreams? Even if you know it's a real dream, are you supposed to be involved in how the dream gets fulfilled? Is that part of human action? It's out of the realm of human, of human action. I wasn't able to understand any of the answers. Okay, so I'll give you a good answer. A good answer is that Yosef is trying to forward God's plan and Chizkiah Melch is trying to thwart. So I could answer. 
But what Yaakov Kanreski and Akeis Yitzchok are raising an, an important issue is what, what they see in the Gemara and Brachos is that there's an area in which human action is legitimate and there's another area in which human action is illegitimate. How divine plans should come to fruition, that's not legitimate. If God told Paro there'll be a famine, and you know that will be preceded by, by, by years of plenty, so God is saying, do something about it. You can't change destiny. He doesn't say, bring about the famine or bring about the years of plenty. But if you have that knowledge, there's something you can do about that in the real world. Collect the food, gather the food, and then you won't starve. But that's within the human area of involvement of an action. Are you supposed to make sure? Are you supposed to, ah, there's supposed to be a famine? Let me burn down all the fields so that the famine would happen. Is that legitimate human action? That's what Yaakov Karmeski says. One can understand the Gemara Brachos in one of two ways. That really, if you want to try to be involved in Jewish testing, it might be legitimate, but not when it comes at some price. If it means not doing your mitzvahs, first of all, first and foremost, do what you're mechiv to do. And the problem was that you didn't lo asak to But the Gemara in Brachos seems to say that it's not only that you didn't do the mitzvah, but it's also that let God do what God does. That's not your involvement. That's not something that you have any, any way of influence. I want to suggest the second reading, which I think is supported by Yafkub Kinevsky and Akeas Yitzchak. In other words, the problem was, is not only that because he's trying to create a situation whereby, you know, navigate a course whereby his dreams will be fulfilled. Because of that, he wasn't Makai Mitzvah of Kibar Aim, and his father suffered, but it's not an area, that, an avenue that he should be treading on at all. God will figure out how to fulfill the dream. Man does what's right within the human arena. Don't get involved in God's arena. Okay, at this point, from this point on, when the brothers come down, Yosef has a plan. He sticks to his plan. He holds all the cards. And the plan seems to, to be done faultlessly. Because he knows exactly he's going to take them. He's going to put them in jail. And uh, they'll go back. And eventually they're going to have to come back. Because they, they need food. And then he'll plant the Gavia and he'll be able to get them all to come back, including Yaakov. And he holds all the cards. He knows what they don't know. And they don't know what he knows. And everything goes along faultlessly. According to plan. And then, let's take a look at the beginning of Eigash. When he eventually wins and everything, you know, he reveals himself to his brothers and he says, Ani Yosef. You know, this is his point of victory, triumphant. And he has the benevolence of, of a victor. And he tells them, let's take a look at Perek Mem Hei Pasuk Hei. Vata al te atzvu va yichar be nechem kimechat mutiena 
don't feel bad that you sold me to Egypt. God sent me to help you survive. I am the messenger of God, you know, to, to help you survive. You didn't send me, God sent me, I am God's messenger. Okay, go to my father and tell him, Samani Elokim Ladon God appointed me ruler over all of Egypt. Okay? Okay, this is triumphant. Yosef, victorious. He's the messenger of God. They were only pawns in the divine plan. He knew the plan, and now it's all coming to fruition. But now begin, things begin to unravel. And he tells them to come down for how long? There are another five years of famine. Why didn't they go back after the five years? Yaakov, when he comes down, he says, I'm going to come down just to see my son. Why does he go back? On the way down to Egypt, all of a sudden he has a dream, a vision. Don't worry. And Yaakov understands that the exile is beginning. Yaakov understands the exile is beginning. What went wrong? Why couldn't they go back? Yosef, right? The plan went faultlessly. He brings them down. He can, he can support them. But all of a sudden, it's not Yosef supporting his brothers. All of a sudden, Paro hears, and he says, I want you to bring the brothers to me. We're, we're running out of time, so I'll say to Balper, we won't go to the sources. Rashi says it means, come to, I'll give you Eretz Goshen. But later on, Yosef engineers a plan. You go to Paro, and you tell him, we are shepherds, and therefore, Paro will place you in Eretz Goshen. In other words, Paro wanted to bring him to his palace. He thought, this is wonderful. Yosef, his family came, come to my palace. Bo Eli. And I'll give you the best of Eretz and Shrine of Egypt. And Yosef has to engineer a plan whereby they will be placed far from the palace, they'll be in Eretz Goshen, and they'll be able to continue as a Jewish nation. But Paro basically wants to adopt them and bring them into royalty. When, at the end of Aigash, how do the Egyptians look at Yosef and his family? Look at Egyptian royalty. Yosef gives them lechem lefiataf, and the next pasuk says lechem aim He supports them. He gives them everything they need, but the people of Egypt are starving. He buys all the fields of all the Egyptians. They don't have any field, and the pasuk right after that, after right, he buys all the fields. It says at the end of Vayigash. Right? The Egyptians have no bread, he gives bread to his brothers. The Egyptians have no land, he gives land to his brothers. We already hear a little bit. Beginning and the Egyptians start resenting B'nai Israel. But where did things really break? And the things really break, in my opinion, is when 
Yaakov dies, or is about to die, and he tells Yosef, bury me in Eretz Canaan. And Yosef says yes. And Yaakov says swear. Why did he say swear? Why couldn't he trust Yosef? And then later on, when he tells Paro, Rashi says, had I not swear, I wouldn't let you bury Yosef, we go to Vayichi, I'm sorry, yeah, Vayichi. He tells Paro, I'll go and bury my father and I'll come back. Why do you have to say come back? Do people want to stay at a Leviah? I don't they always come back from cemeteries? What's Vashuva? Why does it say, They went up with everybody and they left their cattle. When was the last time you took your cattle to a Leviah? They go up with the entire army. What's clear is, let's just take a read a a story I heard from Rav Salvechik and then I think it will become clear. In 1954, the family of Baron Rothschild decided to move his remains and those of his wife Teramat Tanadiv in Zichron Yaakov, Israel. When General Jaws de Gaulle heard of the plans, he called James Rothschild, the Baron's youngest son, and said, I always consider members of the Rothschild family loyal Frenchmen, only differing regarding religion. But let me ask you, who is a good Frenchman? One who is reared in France, educated in a French school, whose native tongue is French, who is ready to take up arms to defend France, and one who is buried in French soil when he dies. I can't imagine a good Frenchman whose remains are moved elsewhere. I knew the Baron and had unlimited faith in him. I always defended him from those who doubted his loyalty to France. Now I see there is some truth to those accusations. It's looked at as treason. Paro looked at Yosef and his family as royalty. When Yaakov dies, he's embalmed like the pharaohs were. 70 days of national mourning. And then Yosef has to say, by the way, my father made me take an oath to be buried in Eretz Quran. All of a sudden, Yosef is no longer a loyal Egyptian. All of a sudden, Yosef is a Jew. A Jew who you can't trust. He has different loyalties. All of a sudden, everything that was given to them, lechem lefiataf, the land that was given to them, how do the Egyptians look at it now? All of a sudden, Yosef realizes that his plan, which he understood so totally, and he felt he was in control, that all of a sudden he realized that he was a pawn in God's divine plan. We took a look at the Psukim of triumphant Yosef, victorious Yosef, I was the messenger of God. God sent me as a messenger in order to, that you should survive. I was the messenger. God sent me. I, I, I. Let's take a look at the parallel Psukim at the end of Vayichi. When the brothers come and they feel Yaakov died, now Yosef will take retribution. 
פרק נ"ן פסוק י"ט, ויאמר להם יוסף, אל תיראו כי התחת אלוהים אני. Am I instead of God? אתם חשבתם עליי רעה, אלוקים חשבה לטובה, למה נעסוק יום הזה להחיות עם רב? Not I was sent, but this was God's plan. What you have here is a humbled Yosef. A Yosef that all of a sudden realizes that he did not understand the divine plan. He did not understand what destiny God had in store. He thought he held all the cards, and he was an, un, an, an, an unassuming pawn in ensuring that B'nai Yisrael would go into Gauls. I think that if one reads the story the way I read it, that from the beginning, Yosef is trying to have his plan, his, his dream implemented. You know, he doesn't only have the dream. But he tells them the dream. And he goes to, from Dotan, he, go, he goes to Dotan with his Toner Pasim in order to implement his dream. When he, when he sees them, he has this whole plan that he will implement the dream even though it causes his father despair and pain. And what HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells them is HaTachet Lokimani. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells them, is that what you should be doing? Are you supposed to be involved in implementing the dream? When you met the Saram Ashkim and you told them, Kim Zechartani, because you felt, ah, this is the ticket to fulfillment of the dream. Is that what you should be doing? Is that, part, is that legitimate human action? Or is that beyond the border? That's Hasagas Gvul. And that's where all of a sudden man is encroaching upon God's plan. And in God's plan, man never sees the full picture. Even if you think you do, you don't really see the full picture. What's warranted is humility. God will fulfill the plan the way He wants. What man has to do is what man should do. And just to bring it home, we believe in religious Zionism. Human action to come, to build a Yishuv, to build Medina Yisrael, to make it a, a, a Medina which is based on ethics, which is based on Torah values. And we feel, we, and, we, and we do missiles and Torah, we have Yimei Yun, in order to further God's plan. But that's human action. Should we blow up the Temple Mount so that there will be a jihad and God's hand will be forced to save the people? Is that legitimate human action? To force God's hand and to be involved with God's plan? Or to do things which we can do in this world? Religious Zion is doing things in this world. Not to further God's plan, but to do what human beings should be doing to, to, in order to further those plans. There is a limit to human, to human action.